Well, welcome, everybody. I want to welcome not only our Henderson location, but as always, a big shout out to our Central Summerlin and Sunrise Mountain, Southern Highlands, Kingman online and those joining us in different prison facilities around the country in our partnership with God Behind Bars. Thank you guys for being with us today. Well, hey, this is week two of a teaching series we kicked off last week called, Do You Even Lift? And uh, the whole idea of this phrase, do you even lift, is uh, one that's thrown around in bodybuilding forums and all of that. And it's usually um, kind of focused on this idea that when people give bad advice, other people will jump in and be like, do you even lift, bro? Like, like what is this that you're saying? If you really want to make gains, this is what you need to do. And so we're looking at how we can make personal and spiritual gains through Romans chapter 12 in the Bible as we go into a new year. Last, year we uh, last week we talked about how willpower is important in our lives, but it's not enough. And what we really need beyond willpower is God power. We talked about some different aspects that could work together with willpower under the umbrella of God power. We talked about um, habit power, the empower, the, looked at the, sometimes the biggest changes in our lives come from some of the smallest adjustments, the habits that we engage in in our life. We talked about want power, and we said last week, you know, it's, it's perfectly acceptable and we should be asking God to help us uh, have the desire, the want in our heart and life to make the changes that we know we need to make. And uh, this week I wanna talk to you about another aspect of that puzzle, and that is friend power. The power of friends in our lives. Now, how many of you have ever done something stupid? <laughs> right, the rest of you are lying or you're not awake right now, right? Like, like we, we've all done stupid things. I, 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 this is a very rich area for me, but one of my favorite stories I haven't told in a while. When I was 14 years old, I had a bunch of friends over. We stayed the night at, at my parents' home and, and about two in the morning, uh, somebody got the idea, hey, let's sneak out, you know? And so we snuck out of the house and we're looking around in the neighborhood and I noticed that my neighbor, his 78 Chevy, Impala is sitting in the driveway, unlocked with the keys in it, and we're looking at it, and one person said to the other person, we should go for a ride. And so we all piled in the car. Well, at first we pushed it down the street because we thought we got to get it down the street so nobody can hear us, you know? So we pushed it down the street and then we all jumped in the car and we took it all the way into the city, which was about 30 minutes away, 20, 30 minutes away. We go into town and, and everything was great until a friend of mine in the back seat got car sick, no lie, and threw up all over the back seat. And it was like the whole vibe was destroyed. You know what I'm saying? Because we're, I'm like, I got to take this car back. My neighbor's going to know somebody stole this car. There's vomit in the back of it. So I'm like, we got to clean this up. So we found one of those um, sort of 24 hour uh, places where you can like vacuum your car and wash it. You know, it's just like the stands and you put money in the machine, change in the machine and, uh, and you could use it. And so we go to one, of course, we don't have any change, but we were able to scrape up a few bucks. And so we told the guy who got sick in the backseat, hey, you gotta go across the street to this 24-hour convenience store and you gotta get change because you threw up all over the backseat of the car. So he goes across the street to do that. And when he walks out, I'll never forget this, police car pulls up next to him. 
It's like three o'clock in the morning right now. I'm like, oh, and I'm like, surely they're, they're just gonna like make sure he's okay. Everything will be fine, right? No, no, they cuff him and they put him in the car because he matched the description of somebody that they were looking for. And I'll never forget that police car drives off and I'm standing there and I'm like, okay, I'm about 30 minutes from my house. I don't know how long he can hold out, but at some point he's gonna cave and at least they're gonna call his mom. And when they call his mom, they're gonna call my mom. When they call my mom, that's gonna wake my dad up and my life is over. And so I drove as fast as I could to get back to the house and we came screeching down the street and I pulled the car up into my neighbor's driveway, put it in park, left the keys in, left the vomit in the back. We got out, it was like, you know, man, there, were, there are no rules right now, right? We ran as fast as we could and I'll never forget, I come around the corner of my house, I'm, I can see my window that I'm gonna climb back in and there's my dad standing out front in his robe, six foot two, former master sergeant in the army. It was not pretty, people. Dumb, stupid. We all have these things, though, right? You look back and you're like, what was I thinking? Well, you know, uh, I mean, maybe you took a job and you, you, know, you look back on when you took that job and you're like, that was a dumb thing that I did. Or maybe you dated this guy or dated that girl. I hope they're not sitting next to you right now. And you're thinking like, wow, that was, uh, that was not my wisest moment, right? Or you know, maybe you, uh, you made a purchase or you said something. We've all done dumb things. But when you really look back at some of the dumbest things that you've ever done in your life, I think you'll find, like me, that while I'm responsible for all of my dumb choices, and there are plenty, I was also influenced in those choices by the people around me. And I allowed certain people to influence me. It is the power of friends, and they have tremendous influence in our lives. Listen, young people today, when I, I remember when I was young, I'd come home and my mom would, she would always have an opinion about my friends. And I hated that, right? Like, I'm like, you don't know, you can't, you're not the judge, you don't understand. But let me tell you something, moms have this sixth sense. Moms have a sniffer, right? And I remember like, like, my mom was okay with a lot of my friends. We were all a train wreck, but, but she was okay with a lot of them. But I had one friend in particular, and as soon as he walked in our house, she's like, uh-uh. That right there is gonna lead you into all kinds of trouble, and he did. So if your mom gives you a warning, what I'm saying is lean in. Show me your top five friends, I'll show you your future. Your friends will shape your life. And so, I want you to think about this. You won't live your best life with the wrong friends. It's impossible. You won't live your best life with the wrong friends. They have influence in our lives. So let's break it down. We're in Romans chapter 12. We're gonna continue along in chapter 12. We're verse three right now. Here's what Paul says. He says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. So he's given us a warning, right? He's, he's kind of squared it up here for us. He says, don't think you are better than you really are, Patriots fans. Just saying. He says, be what? Say it with me. Honest. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Yeah, patriots are always pretty good. I can say that. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. 
Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Turn the person next to you and say, you belong. Paul's saying, when you become a follower of Jesus, you become a part of the church community. And the whole idea here is that it's not like you're just like a fan of a sports team, although there's some excitement and loyalty that goes along with that. Uh, It's not like you just sort of joined a club because there's responsibilities that come with that. It's more like you become a part of a spiritual family, right? You belong to them and they belong to you. We belong to one another. And what the influence that we have on one another can be incredible either for God or for a whole lot of other things. And so I want to talk about how we can make spiritual and personal gains through friend power. First idea is this, to just examine your influences, examine your influences. This last week, um, Sunday night, After all the church services were over, I got back home, I took a nap, I woke up, we ate dinner, and then somewhere around 8.30, I walked through the kitchen and I'm like, man, I wish, I just wish, I think I said it this way, I said, I think I could eat a whole pizza right now. And my wife said, we have a extra Chicago style pizza from Christmas in the freezer. And I'm like, yeah, it's 8.30, we already ate dinner. And she said, but we could put it in the oven I'm like, you'd eat that with me if I put it in the oven? She said, oh yeah, I'd eat that. I'm like, oh, it is game on at the Wilhite house. So we cooked this big old thick, cheesy Chicago style pizza, pulled it out at 9.30 on Sunday night and violated ourselves. We did all kinds of wrong. It was amazing, right? And I tell you that story because she made me do it. She influenced me to do it. You gotta examine your influences because we all influence one another, either for God and good or for a whole lot of other things. You know, when it comes to influence, I think a lot of times we influence people either indirectly uh, or obviously directly. Uh, Indirectly, you influence people just by being around certain kinds of people. For example, like if you grew up in a home where you were really thrifty and you didn't shop a lot and you, you know, you kept your debt, your family was very um, uh, wise with how they manage money, then that's what you're going to perceive to be normal, right? And you're going to go ahead in your life and that's kind of how you're going to spend money. If you grew up in a family that ate out every other meal and, you know, just always went out to the restaurant, that's going to kind of be normalized for you. If you grew up in a family where people yelled and screamed a lot and threw things and did all kinds of crazy, right? That's going to get normalized for you in your life. There's an indirect influence that comes just from being around certain people. I remember when I finally surrendered my life to Jesus Christ at 17 years old. One of the most powerful things that happened to me was my friend set changed. See, all my friends, they were friends that I partied with, we did drugs with, you know, and really that whole lifestyle was the only thing that kind of unified us and kept us all together, right? And once I got my heart right with God, one of the best things that happened to me was I walked into a local church community and I met some people. They weren't like me. They didn't look like me. They didn't come from the past I came from. They didn't come from the addiction I came from, but they showed me just by how they lived their lives what it looked like to handle conflict in a normal way, what it looked like to deal with situations without running to drugs, what it looked like to be mature and to have fun in a wholesome way. Just by being around them, they taught me so much indirectly. 
And I think that's true for all of us. Listen, if you want your marriage to improve and to be better, you got to get around some people who also want healthy relationships in their lives. If you want to be an encouraging person, you need to get around some people who love to encourage others. If you want love, joy, peace growing in your life, look for people in your life that exhibit the characteristics that you really want and go get around those people. Because listen, you can't live your best life with the wrong friends. If you want to change your life, some of you have to change your friends. You got to change your friends. Oh, there's a great story in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus heals um, uh, this uh, guy named Jairus's daughter. And there's a whole story here. I won't go into it. But one thing that jumps out at me at the story is when Jesus goes in to heal Jairus's daughter, she's lying there. The people around him have already decided that she's dead. And Jesus says, she's not dead. She's asleep. And the Bible says everybody laughed at him in the room. And you know what Jesus said? He said, get out. Next, next sentence says, he put them out of the room. Get out. Shut the door. And then he went back and he healed Jairus' daughter and he did the miracle. I want you to think about this. Some of you, you're praying for a miracle. You're praying that God will move in your life. You're praying that he'll show up in your life. But the challenge is you keep putting yourself in an environment that is not conducive to the miracle actually happening. Sometimes you got to get people out of your life so that you can present yourself to God in such a way so that when the miracle happens, those same influences are not there to pull you back in all the stuff you're trying to get out of. Sometimes you got to say to somebody get out get out I love you get out you got to get out of my life because your influence is destroying me because I can't change with your influence in my life and I don't mean that to be harsh and I certainly don't believe that's always the case but there is a time where you come to that listen when I was trying to get clean from drugs and alcohol I had to turn to many of those friends. I had tried many times before. And here's what I know. If you're trying to get clean from an addiction and you keep putting yourself around friends that use, it is very unlikely you're going to be clean for long. I had to eventually say to those people, get out. You got to get out of my life. I can't have that influence, at least right now, in my life. You know, so there's an indirect influence that we experience with people. We want to get around the right people and we want to exit the wrong people. In fact, I would just say, if you think about Jesus' statement, look, there are some people you need to get out of your life and there is some that you need to get in your life in order for the miracle to all of a sudden be manifest. Jesus got the wrong people out and he had the right people in and he went and he prayed over Jairus' daughter and God did a miracle in her life. We also influence each other in very direct ways. And I love the authors of the book, Change Anything. They said this, they said, anytime you try to change something in your life and it doesn't work, um, that at its core, they said, is uh, not simply because you're weak, it's because you're blind. And what they mean is you're blind to the influences around you that often hinder you from changing the very thing you want to change. Top of the influences, other people, for people who successfully changed or didn't. 
And so they define uh, some of these groups that influence us in uh, a couple different terms. You have fans, you have hecklers, and you have coaches, <laughs> right? We all, we all have fans, hecklers, and coaches. I don't know if you watched the Bears game last week, but if you did, uh, we've got a lot of Bears fans around here at Central. Um, all of those individuals were on display when it came down to the last play. Parker goes out, the Bears field goal kicker. There's just a few seconds left on the clock. Um, it's a simple 43-yard field goal. It, it shouldn't be a problem, right? Everything's lined up. If he makes this field goal, the Bears advance in the playoffs. If he misses, their season is over, right? And so you got fans cheering him on. You got hecklers trying to do everything they can to get him to somehow, you know, mess up or lose his nerve. And then you've got his coaches who are, who are over there trying to coach him along, get him ready. So he goes out to kick this field goal. And some of you, if you didn't see this, you may have seen it on, uh, on replays. He kicks the field goal and it goes up and it hits the left upright. And then it falls straight down and hits the crossbar of the field goal and bounces out. I mean, another inch, it could have bounced in. It would have been a whole different conversation. It bounces out. The Bears season is over. A couple things about that moment that, that kind of stuck with me. One is Parker, who kicked that field goal, after he kicked it, you see the first thing he does is he kind of looks up to give thanks to God, which is what he always does. Second thing is Parker was out at the center of the field after he had single-handedly destroyed the team's future <laughs> on his knees, praying with the other believers like many of them do at the end of a game out at the center of the field. Listen, you don't just praise God when you make it. Sometimes you got to praise God when you miss, right? You don't just praise God when you feel like it. If you want to change things in your life, sometimes you got to praise God, even though, you know, your feelings are saying something altogether different. I mean, we as a culture are very much in our feelings. Hello. In my feelings. But the reality is we all have feelings and emotions, but when it comes to praise and worship, we saw this last week, we've got to continually offer ourselves to God as a living and holy sacrifice. It doesn't say we got to do that as long as we feel like doing it. It doesn't say we got to do that as long as things are going our way. It doesn't say we need to do that as long as like everything's coming together. Look, you got to worship when it's not coming together. You got to worship when it's not going your way. You got to worship when you hit the crossbar and it bounces the other way. Because that worship will change your perspective. That worship will shape you and mold you. So that was the first thing that struck me in that moment where he kicked that field goal is that he worshiped God anyway. The second thing is it came out later that that was actually a blocked field goal. That an Eagles player got his finger on the, bar, on the ball and the NFL's officially ruled that as a blocked field goal, which just goes to show the Bears did not lose based on an error, and it wasn't entirely the kicker's fault. They just got outplayed. It's fun to be a heckler. Come on. You see what I'm saying? You got fans. You got hecklers. Listen, we all need fans in our lives. We need people who believe in us. We need people who will cheer us on. We need people who come alongside us. You have them in your life. You need more of them. Hang on to the fans in your life. These are people, when you want to make a positive change, they're the first ones there to say, yeah, you should do that. You need to go, go for it, boy. Go for it, girl. I got your back. Yeah, I'm praying for you. I'll be cheering you on in that, right? These are the people in your corner. We need fans. And the church 
is filled with fans. The church is filled with people who want to believe the best about what God can do in your life. The church is filled with people that want to believe God is moving and working, that he is good, and the world is still filled with his love, and you and I can be part of sharing that love. And so that indirect and direct influence of just being in the church can fill us with so much hope. We need that in our lives. We need fans. We also have hecklers. Hecklers come along and, you know, they kind of just want you to stay where you're at. They don't want you to really change. They don't want you to really grow. They just sort of, you know, whatever you try to make a positive step forward, they kind of pull you back to where you are. They're always trying to bring reality in. They show up on your social media feed or your Facebook feed. They're always negative. They're always critical. Sometimes they go after you. Sometimes you have, you know, haters and hecklers and all this stuff. And the challenge we all face is the temptation is to want to live our lives to make the hecklers into fans. And sometimes we can. But what I'd share with you most time is those hecklers are always going to be hecklers. Those hecklers don't believe in you now, and they're not going to believe in you then. And listen, don't believe the people that are never going to believe in you. Don't believe the people that are never going to believe in you. You've got to move on and get around fans in our lives. Third area is coaches. Coaches. Coaches are individuals that uh, give us inspiration, help us experience transformation. These could be teachers, authors, mentors, people you look for in your life. But I want to encourage you to be looking around for different people that can be coaches for you in your life. Pastors are coaches. You know, I've had a pastor. My, I may be a pastor, but I've had a pastor my entire life. Um, from my home church, Roy Wheeler in Amarillo, Texas, for 30 years was my pastor. And he passed away um, 18 months, two years ago. And when he finally passed away, I sat down with another good friend of mine, more like a peer that I've been friends with for years. And I said, I'm just letting you know, I'm not gonna ask anything from you because you're busy and I'm not trying to get in on your time and all you have going on, but you're now my pastor. And so I'm listening to you. I'm leaning into your teaching. I'm letting God speak to me through that, right? Everybody needs somebody pouring into them spiritually, personally in their lives. We need coaches. We need vans. And we got to move past the hecklers. So examine your influences. Who's influencing you? Who's shaping your thought, your perspective, how you see the future? Are there some people in your life right now you just need to get, get some distance from? You just need to say, get out for a little while because it's destructive or, or, uh, or damaging their presence in your life. Or are there some people that uh, you, know, you need to just be honest about, put some boundaries up with just to allow things to move forward? You won't live your best life with the wrong friends. You want to change your life? change your friends. Here's another thought. It's not, it's not only examine your influences, but then expand your influence. Expand your influence. Paul goes on. He says, we belong to one another. And then check this out. Romans chapter 12, verse six. We'll bring us up. Let's read the red word out loud together. It says, in his grace, God has given us different what? Gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. And he's going to go on, and we'll read it here in a minute, and list many of the other spiritual gifts that God gives us. But God has given you a gift. Listen, God's grace means that God wants you. God's gift means that we need you. 
We need your gift, your contribution. We belong to one another. And you can not only consider your own influences around you, but think about how you can expand your influence. Listen, when you leverage your unique influence to make somebody's life better, it makes your life better. When you leverage your influence to make somebody's life better, it makes your life better. There's all kinds of ways that can happen. In fact, I was reading this uh, doctor of psychology who's a University of California at Berkeley professor for the last 20 years. He studied power. Uh, his name's uh, Kettner. And he said that, look, most of us think that power is simply um, a person's ability to you know, enforce their will in a situation for their own good. But he said what he found after 20 years of studying power is that Real power, lasting power, is actually the ability to do something for somebody else that they can't do for themselves and to do it for their good. And he said, when you do things for people's good, what happens? They give you more power. And when you get more power, he said, the only way you keep more power from corrupting your heart and your life is you keep turning it and making it about others. Jesus taught us this. Just in the upper room, just before um, his betrayal and then his crucifixion, he gathered with his disciples. And his disciples all come in. And back in those days, they didn't like sit at tables like we do today, but they would um, sit on the floor, like on a little pillow. And uh, so the food and everything would be close to the floor, close to your feet. And look, they wore sandals and it was dusty out. And so you'd be walking around and animals, stuff and all kinds of things could be happening. So, you know, all of a sudden now you're in at dinner and you sit down and your feet are like a a foot and a half from your face right by your food and they stink so they had a culture where before you ate you washed your feet and usually it was somebody's job to do the foot washing it's a menial job right it was a it was kind of a low task and so here's Jesus you know and I imagine the disciples are kind of looking around at each other hey man it's just us 12 you know who's who's gonna do the feet washing before they could do anything, Jesus takes his robe off, puts a towel around his waist, and his disciples object. And he says, no, you call me Lord, and you call me master. You call me teacher, and that is what I am. But he said, I'm, a, I'm serving you, and you need to go and do likewise. And so he washed all of his disciples' feet. And what he said to them indirectly is, if there is a job too low for you, then, you know, you've lost perspective because you're doing something. You you're not willing to do something that even I'm willing to do. Who's the most powerful person in the room? Is it the person with the most money? Is it the person with the most charisma? Is it the person with, you know, the most degrees on the wall? Listen, I want to suggest to you the most powerful person in the room ultimately is always the person who uses their power and influence to raise other people up. So if you want to go up, serve others. You want to go forward, help others who feel like they're held back. You want to move, advance in your life? Look around and expand your influence. How do you do it? You use your gifts. He talks about the gift of prophecy, the gift of uh, serving. Then he goes on, Romans chapter 12, verse 7. He says, if you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, 
be encouraging. He says, if your gift is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. So he's saying, look, you have these gifts, these desires, these passions that God has put in you. These are things you're drawn to anyway. These are things you're good at. These are things you love to do. But just because you're good at it doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. So he says, look, you might have a gift of leadership, but that doesn't mean leadership is easy. It's not. And just because you have a gift doesn't mean it will be. But you still have to leverage it responsibly. He says, and if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Look at this. Don't just what? Pretend. Don't just pretend to love others. <laughs> you ever known somebody like that? They just kind of pretend like, hey, everything's good. That's Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> He's saying, don't just pretend. Really love them. How do you really love them? Use your gifts. Listen, God has given some of you talents and abilities. Some of you can encourage. Some of you can teach. Some of you have the gift of faith. Some of you have the gift of generosity. Some of you don't even know what your gifts are, but every single one of you has a spiritual gift. You're not disqualified. You're not deemed unworthy. You've not been left behind. God wants to empower you and use you to expand your influence to help other people experience who he is and his love. And we want to help you do that here at Central. Across our locations, we've got a whole opportunity every weekend where you could just, you can go to our next step area or to our join a team area and just let them know, Hey, I'd like to serve. I'd like to do something. And they, we would love to help you find a place where you can leverage your gifts to bring hope and encouragement to others through the local church. You can also go to our website, centralonline.tv forward slash join the team. And uh, there's all kinds of opportunities there. We'll follow back up with you and help you take that step in your life to get plugged in and begin to expand your influence and serve others. You know, a few weeks ago, Lori and I, we celebrated our 22nd marriage anniversary. <laughs> How did I get this old? I don't know. And we, had a, we did a little staycation to celebrate it. Um, it's right after Christmas, so we we're all pretty kind of wiped out. And my father-in-law had recorded our marriage um, digitally, I, I had it on high eight camera back in the day, right? And now my high eight camera died. So I have no way of playing like our, our wedding video, which nowadays, even if you shoot a wedding video on a phone, it's like high res 4k amazing, right? This is like bad 22 years ago, people are sort of green tinted and not really good. But He sent me the digital file that he had uploaded of the entire kind of ceremony. We haven't watched it in, I don't know, 15 years, 10 or 15 years. And so we, we sat down on our anniversary and we're like, we're going to watch, we're going to watch our wedding, you know? And so we're, well, I'm like, oh my gosh, look at us. We're just kids. We don't realize what's coming. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we're clueless, right? But we're watching this. And then we saw something that I don't think we've ever watched. My father-in-law had put together this, the marriage clip along with about an hour of video that was taken during our reception. And it was a friend of ours who just walked around and interviewed people that were our friends. You know, what advice do you have for Judd and Lori? You know, what would you say to them? Um, I got emotional because I'm just watching this and you know, there's my dad who's passed away and he's making jokes and being himself. And, I just watched this video and there was Roy Wheeler, my pastor, giving sex advice, but that's another conversation. 
It was all G-rated, but it was too much information, if you know what I'm saying. There were some friends, you know, that I'd had for years and even some people that we had lost contact with. And I just sat there and I said, God, I thank you. I thank you for our friends because our friends believed in us when nobody else did. These friends, our friends saw something in us when nobody else did. Our friends prayed for us and supported us when nobody else did. And they were all friends from our church. And that little church not only helped us kind of get on our feet and get going and send us out, but more than that, I think today, look, they influenced our lives. If I've influenced your lives, it's from their influence in my life so that you can leverage your influence in your life to influence the people that God has put you around. So examine your influences and ask God to expand your influence and to use your gifts to help others so that they can experience God's love in their life. Listen, you won't live your best life with the wrong friends. Stay plugged into the church. Stay connected in the faith community. Get around people whose lives look like what you hope your life looks like one day. And let those people just rub off on you to the degree that you can. Get around people that can influence you for God and for good. Maybe you're here today in your life and I want you to know Jesus describes himself as a friend, a friend to sinners like me and a friend to sinners like you. And he loves you. And he would love more than anything else to be in relationship with you. And so if you'd like to be a follower of Jesus today, if God has been tapping you on the shoulder, I'd love to give you that opportunity just to reach out to him and experience his love and grace working in your life. Would all of you please bow your heads and close your eyes across all of our locations. If you'd like to become a follower of Jesus today, you can begin that journey by just repeating this prayer after me. You can repeat it out loud or in your heart and mind. Just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. And if that's your prayer today, if that's your commitment, I'm gonna ask you to just slip your hand up in the air wherever you're at just to acknowledge you're gonna follow God in your life today. Just slip your hand in the air, reach out to him. God, I thank you for each person whose hearts and minds are open to you today, who are reaching out to you. I pray you'll fill them with your love, your joy, your purpose. God, do a supernatural work in their life. Show up so that they can look back and remember you're alive, you're moving, you're working. Thank you for who you are in Jesus' name, amen.